the 70th edition podcast of Women's Liberation Radio News for this Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. This is Jenna, WLRN's resident sound engineer and ever the grateful lesbian. Actively grateful, literally, on a daily basis. This month's edition focuses on a feminist analysis of fairy tales. We'll hear an excerpt of an interview Emily Ann Lorenzen did with Ava Park, feminist activist and spiritual teacher, about fairy tales, mythology, and spirituality. We'll also hear WLRN commentary from Thistle about the power of myths and fairy tales in our lives as we search for meaning, companionship, and fulfillment. The team at WLRN produces a monthly radio broadcast to break the sound barrier women are blocked by under the status quo rule of men. This blocking of women's discourse we see in all sectors of society, be they conservative, liberal, mainstream, progressive, or radical. The thread that runs through all of American politics, except for separatist feminism, is male dominance and entitlement in all spheres. To start off today's edition, here's Jennifer Billick with her monthly report on the gender industry. Hi all, this is Jennifer Billick reporting from the 11th Hour blog. Things are changing fast at the gender industry front in the United States. Bans against the medicalization of children's healthy bodies are being initiated in 17 states. Arkansas has won this fight, at least for now. Though John Stryker, heir to Stryker Medical Fortune and founder of the largest LGBT NGO in the world, has funded the ACLU $15 million to upend the win in Arkansas. We must be making him anxious. At least one class action suit against giving puberty blockers to children is being initiated. People are becoming more and more frustrated with the gender industry narrative, if social media is any indicator. More and more people are willing to question the entire edifice of gender as identity. I believe it is time for each of us to take stock on where we stand in this fight. As I mentioned in last month's report, to develop more coherent strategies that rely less on reacting to activists and more on building a strong offensive position. One way to do this is to expose the techno-medical complex behind the facade of LGBT NGOs and to keep hitting the big players whenever we speak and engage with people. Another is to stop using the language of the opposition which solidifies their position. There are no transgender people. There is no gender identity. The entire edifice must come down. And toward that end, those calling themselves gender critical should consider whether platforming those who are still invested in the industry is an effective tactic. There has been an endless loop of white men and now women who've positioned themselves as critics of the gender industry on social media, repeatedly parading the same voices of other white men and women claiming special identities. None of these men and women are reflecting on the messages they're sending or why white men, women, and youth are the ones destroying their bodies for gender. They have interviews with and talk endlessly about male fetishists, females who've destroyed their health for this white supremacist corporate ideology while ignoring the colonization at the heart of the gender industry. Appropriating the body of the opposite sex is never addressed as a form of colonization. Indigenous communities in America, New Zealand, and Australia are being captured by gender ideology, which creates a corporate identity to replace their rootedness in their own cultures. Other cultures' response to feminine men is being co-opted to sell medical identities in America and elsewhere. Black Americans' civil rights movement is being used as a comparison to an agenda to drive a fetishizing ideology for corporate medical profit, and black women are being compared to men. This is never discussed by the white men and women at the front of this project to purportedly end the gender industry. Karen Davis, a black woman with a relatively new YouTube channel, You're Kidding, Right?, has come to the fore of this project to dismantle the gender industry and is going full force opposition to the incredulous inconsistencies going on by people who call themselves gender critical, who refuse to address the corporate colonization that is at the heart of the gender industry. 
the white men in gender-critical drag are whining about her critiques. Many women are coming to their aid, who refuse to understand why anyone would want to critique them. They frame important critique and assessment of strategies as mean and divisive. Karen Davis has hit raw nerve on the inconsistencies within what is called the gender-critical movement, which is why there is such a stir about her channel. I hope these individuals will take a closer look, not at her, but at their own actions which she is mirroring back to them. Would it be too much to ask individuals who are purportedly gender-critical to actually be critical of those colonizing human sex, the profiteers, the technomedical complex, and the consumers of their products? To stop platforming people who embody the problem? To stop the endless discussions of individual fetishistic men and their problems? To start to build a movement of organized resistance against this industry? Well, I'm asking. Movements that don't move eventually atrophy into dead ideologies. Those claiming to fight the gender industry must be open to critique and be willing to change. Thank you for listening. This has been a special report from the 11th Hour blog for WLRN, Women's Liberation Radio News. Thank you, Jen. Now we turn to our WLRN World News segment with Emily Ann Lorenzen for this Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. I'm Jenna DeCuardo, and now over to Emily Ann. Thanks, Jenna. A county in central China is offering incentives to shang new women, or leftover women, to marry unemployed men. Leftover women describes unmarried and often educated women 27 years or older. Dwindling marriage rates and birth rates have pushed a panicked government to offer incentives and services, such as official matchmaking databases. The unemployed men would receive vocational and entrepreneurship training, business loans, and priority for public service positions if these women marry them. The couple would receive birth allowances and preferential treatment for housing and employment. There has been backlash against these proposals online, and one woman said, quote, I think I know why the marriage rate and the birth rate keep falling. If they don't respect women or treat women as human beings, then the extinction of mankind is not far." Women in Uruguay took to the streets on January 28th to protest against rape culture after a 30-year-old woman was gang-raped. Protests were held in all provinces in the country, with protesters demanding an end to rape, femicides, and other sexual abuse that women suffer daily. Those who did not attend the protests banged pots from balconies and blew their car horns. Protesters argued that femicide should be considered a national emergency. The University of Aberdeen, Scotland and the trade justice charity Triad Craft Exchange UK published a study that reveals that garment workers in Bangladesh have borne the brunt of the pandemic. The repercussions of the pandemic, such as Western retailers canceling orders, refusing to pay for work in progress, and demanding discounted prices, has caused a surge in sex-based violence, abuse, and economic hardship for garment workers. The women are abused by their supervisors and pushed to work faster to meet unrealistic production targets. Pregnant women are fired because they are entitled to maternity benefits, and older women are fired because they are entitled to service benefits. Similarly, in Cambodia, women are malnourished and forced to go back to work after having a baby without breastfeeding accommodations in the workplace. The report recommends that the UK sets up a fashion watchdog to stop abuse in the garment industry. In Kyrgyzstan, Four women attempted suicide after receiving threats from men accusing them of being prostitutes. The women worked at local saunas as waitresses, and a group of men have demanded their closure since they are, quote, a place of sin where young women sell their bodies, unquote. These suicide attempts have shined a light on the use of shaming to control women in the country. The actress Nazira Atbikova 
was shamed and harassed online after posting a revealing photo of herself. She said, quote, Killing a person is not a shame. Neither is beating your wives. It is not a shame to rape your sons, your daughters, children of relatives. It is not a shame to rape a person, get up and just leave. It is not a shame to conceive a child, then refuse to pay child support. It is not a shame to gossip, hate, and envy. In general, it's not a shame to trample humanity, but for some reason, it's a shame to show what nature has given us." Unquote. Kyrgyzstan ranked 82nd in the United Nations Gender Inequality Index, and bride kidnapping is still practiced, but women are beginning to speak out. The family of a Polish woman who died after doctors refused to perform an abortion say that the government has, quote, blood on its hands, unquote. Agnieszka T. was in the first trimester of pregnancy with twins when she was admitted to the hospital for pain. One of the fetuses died on December 23rd, but the doctors refused to remove it due to Poland's restrictive abortion laws. The family says, quote, her state quickly deteriorated, unquote, after the fetus's death. The hospital did not perform an abortion until the heartbeat of the other twins stopped a week later and waited another two days to terminate the pregnancy on December 31st. The woman died on January 25th, and the family believes she died due to septic shock. The hospital did not identify her cause of death in a statement. In Newport, Wales, a woman on a mobility scooter was arrested for putting up stickers that addressed violence against women. They said, three plus women killed by men each week, domestic violence kills. She also posted stickers that said, no men in women's prisons, and humans can never change sex. The police officers pushed Jennifer Swain's arm that was in a splint upwards until she shouted in pain. She was kept in a cell until the next morning and was charged with hate-aggravated vandalism. The police also searched her house and took a collection of essays called Transgender Children and Young People, Born in Your Own Body, edited by Dr. Heather Brunskill Evans. Jennifer said, quote, My thinking is being investigated, not things, not materials, not actions, my actual thinking, unquote. Senator Lauren Book in Florida is sponsoring legislation that would strengthen the state's revenge porn law and make it a felony to sell, buy, or trade explicit images from another person's devices. It would also make it a felony to disseminate doctored sexual images known as deepfakes. Someone threatened to release nude photos of Senator Book and since 2020, stolen nude photos of her have been purchased and traded online. She is a child sexual abuse survivor, and online comments surrounding her images asked if they could somehow find rape videos of her. She said, quote, Truth be told, if it weren't for my children, I would have ended my life. It brought up all of the stuff, all of it that you think you've gotten under your belt, that you fixed it and you've changed it. And then all of a sudden, here it is in front of your face, unquote. Indigenous women who were raped by paramilitaries during Guatemala's civil war won against their aggressors in court. The men were sentenced to 30 years each in prison. A group of 36 Maya Achi survivors initiated the legal proceedings. The war lasted between 1960 and 1996, and most of the atrocities were committed in the 1980s. One of the lawyers said, quote, the tribunal highlighted in its arguments the importance of the testimonies of the women. It vindicates all those years of struggle during their search for justice, unquote. That concludes WLRN's World News segment for Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. I'm Emily Ann Lorenzen. Share your news stories, announcements, and tips with us by emailing info at womensliberationradionews.com and let us know what's going on.
That was Emiliana Torini with her song, To Be Free. Next up, we'll hear excerpts of an interview Emily Ann did with Ava Park about the original fairy tales that celebrated women's power and how patriarchy has destroyed and retold these stories for its own benefit. This has always been so up until just recently. Patriarchy is really a Johnny-come-lately to the scene of humanity. And yet yet the patriarchal mindset has done a fantastic job. You got to give them credit. My hat's off to them for doing a fantastic job of erasing what actually happened for thousands and thousands of years and retelling the mythology and the fairy tales, retelling the story to make woman the victim, woman the evil one, woman the crazy one who must be controlled by men. And you look at all all our fairy tales, the queen is evil and uh, women are bad. The stepsisters and Cinderella are mean. All these fairy tales serve to train young girls and boys about what woman is. And what she is, is not good for her. What How she is cast in these fairy tales and mythologies is it only serves the domination of woman by, by men. And men are not served by this domination either. Men are decidedly unhappy in a patriarchy. They may have the external superficial power but they are not joyful. They are not living joyfully and happily. Hardly any of them. But in matriarchies, they do live joyfully and happily in a woman-centered, woman-honoring culture. And so when men find out that the horrific burden that is placed on them in a patriarchy, where they too are oppressed in various ways by certain structures that do not serve them. When they find out that there's a different way to live, um, we know that matriarchy is not the reverse of patriarchy. We know that matriarchal cultures are egalitarian. The great Heidi Gettner Abendroth has written books on this, Societies of Peace and others, explaining how matriarchal structures are egalitarian societies where women are it's woman-centered and woman-honoring, taking care of mothers and children, because children are obviously the future. Uh, but the men are absolutely working together with the women to make life beautiful. 
and the Council of Grandmothers, um, the, these sorts of things. This is the natural way to live. When women start finding this out, then we will release this struggle idea that we have, this um, idea that we have to fight. And I, I understand, I'm a longtime feminist, and I understand that it feels like a fight every day. When I, you know, I drive by on my way to somewhere I go frequently, I have to drive by a Hooters. And I just, I'm just in sacred rage driving by the Hooters by the freeway. When I think of what that is teaching young girls and young women. So I understand the fight aspect of it. But I also understand that energetically, psychologically, you can never win what is a fight if you think of yourself as as a victim, or even if you think of the other as a powerful enemy to be fought. You have already lost. If you are in that mindset, it does not give you strength. We must, we women must come from the mindset that we are the ancient queen, the rightful, natural spiritual authority, and everything is a spiritual matter because spirituality to us is not the Bible or some codified uh, set of texts. Reli spirituality to, to women's spirituality is just your relationship with all that is. And what is that like? What, what does that mean? What kind of relationship do you want to have with life, with nature, with other people, with children, with animals? So we must not see ourselves anymore as victims of patriarchy. We, and I'm not saying that we are not. I'm saying we must not any longer carry that label for ourselves because the first step of power is to see yourself as a powerful being and work your magic, your psychological magic, your way of relating to people. When you walk in the world like a powerful being that is creating her own reality around her to a great extent, we live in a co-created reality, so other things do affect us, no, no doubt. But when you start walking that way in the world, a lot of things begin to shift for you as an individual. And if million, this is why I work on the Queen teachings to help women overcome the brainwashing that the Queen is evil. In every in every fairy tale, the, we we are taught that the Queen is evil. Every single one. And by the way, the evil stepmother is a version of the queen because the stepmother uh, is also a queen figure. So you have maiden, the four phases of woman, maiden, mother, queen, and wise woman. And of those four phases, the queen is the most denied, demonized, dismissed, denigrated archetype of woman of all. Because when the queen steps forward in a woman, when she starts behaving as a queen, and I can get to what that means in a moment, um, then patriarchy starts to melt. It, patriarchy cannot stand in the face of a true queen who understands who she is. Now, we have been so told as women that... We don't want to be the queen. The queen is evil. Remember in high school, the worst thing in the world was for another girl or set of girls to say, who do you think you are? <laughs> well, do you remember that? I mean, yeah, the judgment of other girls. Uh, yeah. I, I do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, don't be too big for your britches. Don't don't have self-esteem, basically. Obviously, none of us should be behaving badly towards others, but to walk in the world with confidence and self-esteem, who do you think you are? Well, if women, if young women were taught that they were queen, then a lot would shift. First of all, they would no longer 
the the queen, one of the aspects, the queen has many, many um, powerful qualities, but one of them is that she has a vision for her life and a knowing of who she is. And she does not really, in the best sense of the word, she does not care what people think of her. That means she doesn't, it, th that does not mean that she doesn't care about people. It means that the opinions of others do not drive her. Her own internal sense of herself is what motivates her to take the actions that she does. The, so that is part of what it means to be a queen. The opinions of others do not drive you. So many young women I counsel today, teenagers and, and young women, are almost everything they do is driven. What they wear, what they say, how they behave is driven by this internal demand to please men. And in order for us to move forward, we will never come back to our rightful place as leaders, the rightful leaders of humanity, while, while we are looking to men to, to please them in our actions. And men should, men should be looking to please us. <laughs> yeah. So this is what I believe women need to do. We need to have a new creation story for ourselves because Adam and Eve is not working for anybody. And we also need to understand what our vision for life is now, what our fairy tale is. And in our fairy tale, the queen will not be evil. She will be the rightful guide to humanity, the, one, the wise one, the one who is the matriarch. The, her sisters, like in the Cinderella story, the two sisters are mean and bad. Well, this is just teaching women that they cannot rely, because this is the thing patriarchy has to do. Patriarchy absolutely has to bust up the, the tight sisterhood, the connection that women have with each other and make us not trust each other, make us see each other as competition for the resource that is the male. And so that's what these fairy tales tell us. So we need to, and you know, Barbara Walker wrote, um, can't remember the name of her book, uh, Feminist Fairy Tales. I think it was, um, yeah, Feminist Fairy Tales, Barbara Walker. So there are women who have worked on this and we need to bring them forth, bring these new visions for life forward and get over the idea that you being queen means that you are emasculating a man. Because a lot of women have that idea. Well, if I do this, then I'm taking charge, I'm ruling, and my husband will feel emasculated. No, we, we teach in the queen teachings how to do this in a way where the man absolutely maintains his own sense of integrity and power. And, and that's important. It's important not to, you know, I really object to all these ads that there's a lot of television ads and, and uh, different advertising that casts men as the stupid one, you know, the dumb, the dumb husband or the, the and those are offensive and we must stop that. There should be no male bashing in, in the queen's world. To see the old woman, even the word old, even the phrase old woman is kind of an insult. Yeah. And and why? Why should it be? Young woman is not an insult. Why should old woman? When I'm 85 or 95, I will be an old woman. And there is no insult in that. But the erasure of the elder woman, elder is a, 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 maybe a more palatable term for many people, the erasure of the elder woman from our society is one of the great invisible crimes. And you see it in the retelling of the fairy story of Cinderella. First of all, uh, her mother's mean, her two stepsisters are mean. And the only good one, the only helpful one is the fairy godmother, the old woman who comes to help her. And now we have erased that 
in this latest Disney retelling of Cinderella, we have erased one of the very few wonderful old woman uh, icons that we have, and we have replaced her with a male. And I read the promotional material for this so-called feminist retelling. It's not feminist at all. It's just utter bullshit. And it said that the fairy, that the, the fairy godmother had been recast in the non-binary role of, you know, Billy Porter. And I thought, well, if it's non-binary, then why the hell did they call it a fairy godmother? You yeah. know, I mean, come on, that's, you know, talking out of both sides of your mouth, as my friend Vajra said. So what they have done is they have what we've seen recently, what you've seen is the trying to convince us all, men and women, that men are better women than women. And now here you see it again in Cinderella. It's a fairy godmother, but no, the fabulous G. <laughs> it was more fabulous than that dumpy old woman fairy godmother. And he just happens to have a penis. So he is a better fairy godmother, fairy god female. He's a better woman than, than the actual woman herself. And you see this constantly now. Uh, you saw it with um, uh, Caitlyn Jenner winning the Woman of the Year Award on Glamour magazine. Oh, my goddess. So, so he is now a better woman. He gets the prize for best woman of the year instead of an actual woman. And you see it in all of the sports crap that's going on that, that these men who are competing with their bigger muscles, with their larger lung capacity, with their uh, strength, they're competing against actual women and calling themselves women. They're better women now than women themselves. Women with penises are better women than women with vaginas. It, I just bullshit on all of that. Oh my goddess. No, no, no. The queen in every woman who sees the, this must stand up and say, absolutely not. And fortunately, Aren't we now starting to see women standing up against this? I'm seeing it more and more. Are you? Yeah, I am seeing it more and more. I think more of the, the quote-unquote average women who are seeing this happen, who haven't been in this conversation at all, and then they're le learning about, what's his name, Leah Thomas with yeah. the pen swimming, um, it's just like... What? What? <laughs> I know that's that's the reaction that the average woman has. It's like, yeah. what? How can this be happening? And it's so sad to me. And I'm I'm on a mission to change this. It's so sad to me that some of my heroes are are taken in by this so far. Um, one of my favorite comedians is Stephen Colbert. I I watch him faithfully. And so far, he is completely taken in by the whole trans cult, the whole the whole movement. And as I, I must point out that my friend uh, and colleague Vajra Ma has uh, convinced me to not use the word trans anymore. It's not transhumanism. It's not a trans woman or trans man. It's dehumanism. Because there is no going beyond. You cannot transcend your physical body. Yeah. There is no such thing. And I think Jennifer Billick pointed that out in something recently. That you there is no trans woman, trans man, these are these are fake gaslighting terms that that discuss that that label something that doesn't actually exist. And that's the definition of gaslighting, is to get us to believe something that doesn't exist so no they're men yeah people with penises are men and we must just call them men in the face of and i know it's hard i was deplatformed from the um glastonbury goddess conference this past summer because of my stance 
on uh, on this so-called trans cult and they were oh we're inclusive for all we must honor these people and their you know terrible thing they go through in society what so so you throw women completely under the bus and and what i was speaking on was not even related to trans theory and the trans cult i was speaking on the queen archetype i was never going to mention the trans issue but because a couple of activists trans activists called and complained i got eliminated i've been attending the glastonbury goddess conference as a speaker for many years now and i enjoy going and it's a wonderful event and now the new people in charge of it have decided that men are more important than women so i got i got cut and many of my friends and colleagues ruth barrett and and others have been similarly deplatformed we we all know all the deplatforming that's going on right now so speaking up can affect your livelihood can get you fired can get you canceled and each woman has to make her own decision because we all have to pay the rent and we all have to put food on the table and we all have to take care of our kids and whatever your life is at the same time somehow we have to find ways to stand up as queens and continue to hold the vision with boundaries i'm not saying it's easy but it's it's necessary and thank the goddess for the many many women who have inspired me many of them on your show uh who have ins- who have done that work bravely bravely thank you to them yes absolutely yeah, it makes us stronger. With every woman who speaks up, it makes the collective just that much stronger. Right. And one thing I want to point out about Cinderella is I, I wanted to review a little bit classic yeah. fairy tales. Oh, yeah. So I mainly just looked at Charles Perrault and the Grimm brothers. So those are the two that right. we're right. familiar with. But right. even those stories, which is dripping with patriarchy, the fairy godmother in the Grimm version is good and helps Cinderella. And in the Charles Perrault one, um, no, excuse me. Yeah, Charles Perrault is actually the, a fairy godmother who helps her escape her father who wants to marry her. And then in the Grimm one, it's actually her mother spirit who is buried under a tree who helps her escape her stepsisters so even in those patriarchal stories those are still they're good yes and i think the the beauty and the understanding of the old woman as as beautiful and wise and whole does leak through unfortunately you can find many more examples where she is demonized uh in hansel and gretel the old woman is evil um in jack and the beanstalk the mother uh she's not cast as an old woman but she literally cannot this is a patriarchal reversal women are the original shamans and to to be a shaman means you bring information from the unseen world into the seen world that's what a shaman is and that's what women do every time they give birth they bring information from the unseen world the spirit world into the physical world and they birth the baby so women are the original shamans in fact i think if i'm not mistaken the um uh siberian word uh for shaman means means woman or is related to the female so that's acknowledged and so woman is the original magician and yet men are constantly cast gandalf in lord of the rings men are constantly cast as the magician and in jack and the beanstalk the mother is so ignorant that she cannot see that the beans are magic and so she throws them away and this this is another reversal in in the correct telling of the story from an ancient perspective jack would have come home and his mother would have immediately with her deep intuition and her wisdom she would have seen that the beans were magic and she would not have thrown them away but now she's an idiot so she just you know she just throws these beans away as if they're nothing 
And all of these subtleties in these fairy stories, yes, you're absolutely right. There's a few where something comes through of the original goodness, but most of them, the queen is evil. I mean, think of all the evil queens um, in Sleeping Beauty, the, the, uh, the uh, uh, old woman, the witch is evil uh, in, um, uh, and, oh, and also in Sleeping Beauty, my other favorite thing that I hate about that is she needs a man to wake up. She's nothing. She's just unconscious until a man comes along and helps her out. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, that what a what a terrible, terrible story to to tell. And in many of these stories, in, in some of them, animals are friendly, but in many of them, they're not. In many of them, the wolf in Little Red Riding Hood, uh, in Pinocchio, there's Jiminy Cricket, but then there's a whole bunch of animals that are not helpful. So these fairy stories have to be deconstructed and we have to see. I would not just read a book of fairy stories to my children. I would read the classic, uh, you know, feminist fairy tales. I would read Bar- Barbara Walker's feminist fairy tales. I would read Rebecca uh, Janup's uh, 12 fairy tales for young feminists. I w- and I would sit with my little girl and I would show her exactly how she's how the world is trying to condition her and let her find her queen inside that sees all that with clarity the powers of the queen clarity vision boundaries leadership i would have her find that in herself and grow up to be different and not affected by those things this is joe brew and you are listening to wlrn tales. A term that makes me think of the myths, stories, and poems I've told myself and were told to me all my life. Tall tales and far-fetched propositions that sent me out west on a bicycle, finding a different kind of American dream, one that expresses mutual aid, cooperation, and breaking free of all that binds and blinds within the confines of car culture and an economy hell-bent on violent, extractive industries. I at once think of true magic and delight, and of pipe dreams and smoke, when I think of fairy tales. We're on a journey of life both individually and collectively. The road is made of our stories, and the stories that came before us. The direction the road takes is a collective one, but it starts off in small outbursts of single new narratives and rhymes until the whole band chimes in and we have a new path before us. This is the shiny true life fairy tale I live whenever I take my bike for long distances out into nature. And in the case of my meanderings, long ago in 2003, 4, 5, and 6, by nature, I mean whatever it was that we encountered, in the cities or out in the countryside. In the case of Memphis, one rainy night arriving at the punk house hosting us, nature was the semi-truck spray that hit me as I kept close to the edge of the road, inching along during rush hour traffic. There were also some marvelous, picture-perfect days of sunshine and empty, long, winding country roads without a car for miles, and us, like tiny insects, inching up the hill onto the next valley, filled with grasses, flowers, and fellow journeyers seeking the nectar of life. On those days, at age 30-something, I felt complete and like a full human being with a strong heart and good will towards all. There was the exuberance and just sheer joy and pleasure of being on earth in such a beautiful place filled with the natural wonders of birds, bees, trees, and butterflies. 
And my Prince Charming was with me, who doted upon me and did the bike mechanics, so I did not have to worry about being completely stranded. Although, as a side note, I did fix my own bike and in a jiffy went on my way to work at the local community college in Austin one day from an eco-village I lived at on the edge of town. Looking back now, I am amazed I was able to do that, knowing how panicky I can feel in stressful situations. But I also felt alive as I used the bicycle as a real form of transportation and as a tool for new perspectives and social change. Isn't that what real life fairy tales are all about? Living the dream? Being fully alive, thriving, and enjoying the twists and turns? We had a motto on our ride. Lily, low impact luxury living, which we turned into dinners on the side of the road of fresh local produce, foraged wild foods, beans, rice, and the company of a warm body in a warm nest as we bed down each night, using our legs to get across the country. No hitchhiking, no train hopping, no getting into cars the whole way. Rather, we became one with the land and the road. I trusted the universe to hold me up, and she did, many times as I journeyed by bicycle for three years, from September 11th, 2003, to December 2006. This lifestyle was documented in the song you are hearing in the background now called Austin that I wrote while we lived there on the edge of town in an eco-village. On the land, getting our souls free. Our souls. And this journey was not without lots of help from my man, the prince, who came to save me if I fell off my bike or I needed protection from potential wrongdoers. I do recognize the partnership aspect of what we did together, but I also see the dark side of the Prince in Shining Armor myth as expressed in the songs I write about my experiences on the road on these bicycle journeys. The Prince is at once a protector who aids the princess in her travels, but he also can get in the way of her fullest self-actualization and may end up demanding more from her than she is willing to give. But enough about princes and princesses. The real star of this tale is the bicycle. The bicycle, the bicycle. It's at once a tool and a mobile home. It has the potential to make us more fully alive, especially when you are in it together in a mobile village. I will always hold up the bicycle as a unique tool of women's liberation. Getting back to years ago now, we found many others like us, eco-primitivists, in a village called the Rhizome Collective, camped out in an old warehouse space down in Austin, Texas. We continued our journeying with others in mobile villages as we explored the land and the culture at the Kerrville Folk Festival and at peace and justice rallies in different parts of Texas. We were living a fairy tale with its dark, challenging moments and moments of magic and pure delight. It made me wonder what humanity as a whole could bring into being if we listened harder and spoke louder. So let me speak more of the challenging aspects of living a life of resisting car culture and promoting bicycle nomadic life. Was I harmed by all those years of riding? Well, yes. Car culture, patriarchy, enslavement and torture exist and so you inevitably encounter things as you ride that are horrific i remember one day riding with the cycles of uprising disaster relief tour after hurricane katrina to new orleans seeing body after bloated smashed or splattered body on the side of the road i had to stop and throw up there was so much roadkill that six-week group ride was intense and happened in 2006, towards the end of my career as a nomadic journeyer in such free and bold ways. We were in a bike tribe of six, to which the song Animal Dreams is the soundtrack, depicting the fairy tale and also all of the animals suffering tortured deaths on the same side of the road we were biking on and sleeping on. 
When I did my first long distance bike ride, it was indeed a picture perfect fairy tale, which made me into a true believer, which in turn propelled me to plan my life around taking off like a bird, going south for the winter, adapting to the land and whatever it is that we encountered on our gas fast. A gas fast is when you fast from using gas for your transportation for a period of time to allow a physical and mental transformation to take place that empowers you to feel good and safe on the land, moving at a slower pace than airplanes, cars, buses, or trains. I learned this and wanted to share it with others, so I set out on a journey that became multiple journeys within one, the one that now brings me here before you today. And what of now, you ask? In 2022, I live in my nest in a city that has deeply troubled troubling and mixed feelings about me and I about it. There are women coming through the doors of my apartment regularly, providing me with company, spirit and new perspectives. So I feel good and free up here perched in the trees in my little third floor nest with both my internet community and my real life community. Some of my immediate neighbors are great people civically minded and they participate in our immediate physical surroundings in lots of different ways as you would expect in an urban neighborhood like a fairy i have zipped around the complex coaxing and organizing neighbors to collectively plant a garden behind our dumpsters at the edge of the parking lot a familiar place aesthetically that i've made into a home-like perch on many previous bicycle journeys Though, in this new reality I live in my hometown after years of bicycle journeys to far-off distant lands, I must say that the social twists and turns have taken me aback and also kept me here, wishing to build real community and to get to know my surroundings in one location through time. Why would I nest in one place after all those years of building a nest each night on the side of the road? Well, I nest in one place because I am older and I don't want to be out and vulnerable to the unknowns of the road. And because I crave a stable, steady community that works together to be in and to improve a neighborhood. This is where I am. It's here. And it brings me to this next fairy tale that often has felt like a nightmare in these last few years. Lots of fairy tales have a witch who is hated and feared and I am afraid to say that the current fairy tale of my life includes me as the wicked witch who refuses to obey the gender decree of the land. This in turn has caused goons in my city to come and vandalize the community garden space where I live. They did this twice last summer with the slogan, trans lives matter, scrawled in baby blue and light pink chalk on six different garden boxes. Can you believe that? What triggered their disregard for a community space, you may ask? Well, it was that little old me was being cited with a hate crime felony charge for allegedly placing a feminist sticker on a media box on State Street. State Street is a place where people have expressed their political opinions ever since I can remember, and I was moved here in the 1980s as a child. And I know that during the Vietnam War era, that State Street was also a place where people expressed their political opinions, had rallies, protests. So this is the fairy tale of the moment, and it is the darkest one I have lived yet. In fact, it often feels more like a horror story. We need to turn it around and stand up against this kind of public abuse of an individual woman. Attacking a community garden space because you've declared the coordinator of said garden a wicked witch is so different from placing a sticker on a media box on State Street, a place traditionally open to the public freely expressing and debating ideas. Not to mention, that community garden is right outside my doorstep in the realm of where I live as a private citizen, whereas State Street is quite literally a feeder street to the town square. So, my sisters, let's turf the town and take back our right to be in public spaces expressing our feminist views. There is a new fairy tale emerging of turfdoms created one by one across the land, enchanting our cities and countryside with women's courage. 
Come to Madison this April 22nd through 24th to honor and put into practice the magic embodied in the Harry Potter series by Queen Rowling herself. Shh, it's a secret, but if you come to Madison, we promise to bedazzle and delight as we take the town for our turfdom. A team of totally excellent radical feminists has come together to organize a weekend of events called Sisters for Sisters that includes a critical mass bike ride called Turf Traffic, nonviolent direct action training, a scavenger hunt on the streets of Madison, a speaker's corner on State Street, a variety show, keynote address from Wisconsin's Miriam Ben Shalom, workshops with Beth Steltzer and Lier Keith, and much, much more. That same weekend, WLRN is presenting a public library discussion called Courage Calls to Courage, free and open to the public at the downtown branch of the library. If you can't be there in person, this panel discussion will be live streamed on WLRN's media pages to reach the widest audience possible and to document this event. And now, for those of you who are still listening, there will also be an additional bike ride in a mobile village of women from two Michigan women's music and arts festivals this summer called the Dragon Ride, spelled D-R-A-G-Y-N. Look for more information in the description under the podcast to join our mobile bicycle village this summer in Michigan and to create our own fairy tale of women living together in intentional community without boyfriends or bosses, as a pod, on the road, sisters, my sisters. So that concludes my commentary on fairy tales and the myths and legends we tell ourselves to keep on keeping on. Peace out, my sisters. I will see you in the Mad City in April and in Michigan this summer. Thanks for listening to WLRN's 70th edition podcast on a feminist analysis of fairy tales. We would like to thank Ava Park for speaking with us and for sharing her feminist take on fairy tales, mythology, and spirituality. Go to our YouTube channel for the extended interview with Ava Park and to learn more about this topic, the Queen Teachings with Ava, the Museum of Woman, and the Goddess Temple of Orange County. Until next time, this is Emily Ann signing off on another WLRN podcast. If you like what you are hearing and would like to donate to the cause of Feminist Community Radio, please visit our WordPress site and click on the donate button. Check out our merch tab to get a nice gift in exchange for your donation. And if you are interested in joining our team, we are always looking for new volunteers to conduct interviews, write blog posts, post to our Facebook and other social media pages, and do other tasks to keep us moving forward as a collective of media activist women. Thanks for listening. This is April No, signing off for now. And I am Thistle. Thanks for tuning in. Next month, we'll focus our program on feminists getting organized, debuting Elizabeth Miller's report. Our handcrafted podcasts always come out the first Thursday of the month, so look for it on Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. If you'd like to receive our newsletter that notifies you when each podcast, music show, and interview are released, please sign up for our newsletter on the WLRN website womensliberationradionews.com Stay strong in the struggle and thank you for listening. You can find WLRN's monthly handcrafted podcasts on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spinster, Overit, and SoundCloud in addition to our WordPress site. Our monthly podcasts drop the first Thursday of the month and are always crafted with tender loving care and in solidarity with women worldwide. Thanks for your support. If you enjoy Women's Liberation Radio News, share it with your sisters far and wide. This is Jenna DeQuarto, over and out. But how will we find our way out of this? What is the antidote for the patriarchal kiss? How will we find what needs to be shown? And then after that, where is home? Tell me, where is my home? Cause gender hurts.